Folks, we're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John. Actually, today, we're going to wrap up the second section of John. So the second section of John was chapter 7 through chapter 12. We're going to get to the end of chapter 12. Now, this second section of getting to know Jesus was really seeing why people were rejecting him. Yes, there were people who accepted who he was. There were people who believed. But there were an awful lot of folks who... Really, they had their own reasons for following after him when he didn't do what they wanted to do. They maybe turned away, didn't like what he was saying, or did they just flat out refuse to believe? So today, we're going to wrap this up. Next week, we're going to get into the third section, which I think is the most meaningful part of the gospel. Well, let me back up. Outside of the section concerning the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, which is obviously meaningful to us, this next section, chapters 13 through 16, are going to be especially meaningful for us. Why? Because it's the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples and hence you and I about what it's going to be like while he's away. And it's some wonderful encouragement there. And we're going to look at that over the next few weeks couple of months as we get into that next section. But we're going to wrap it up today. And we're going to talk today, really wrap up this section because Jesus is going to wrap it up. Because again, we're talking about how people respond to him. And you see that every day around you. How people react to Jesus. And what we're going to see is, folks, I want you to understand this is so important because our task is to tell people about Jesus, but sometimes we don't want to do that because of the way people react. But we've got to get a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this. People have a personal responsibility. It's not your responsibility how they respond. Your responsibility is just to tell. It's their responsibility. What do you mean? Well, let me give you two points here about the choice. The fact is, is everybody's got to make a choice. Here's what it is. Each person is personally responsible for their eternal destiny. Each person is personally responsible for their eternal destiny. I think we all understand that, right? But here's the thing. It's not your responsibility for someone else, especially someone you love, for them to make Jesus, to meet Jesus. Now, it's your responsibility to tell them, but when it comes to the personal choice, when you appear before God, it's not going to be, well, why didn't you take care of this? The actual question is going to be, why didn't you respond looking at that person? Each person is responsible. I'm responsible for my own decision about Jesus. You're responsible for your own decision. The people who reject they're responsible for themselves. It's not, your, it's not your responsibility. And you need to understand that. And that actually, can I be honest with you, will help you if you understand that. Because a lot of us, can I be honest, as I've noticed through life, a lot of us are guilt-ridden. Well, if I'd only shared it this way, or, or maybe if I had brought George into it and he could have answered those big questions that I couldn't answer, or, or maybe if I had just finagled away to look at this guy on TV during the game, but he wouldn't let me switch the channel while the touchdown is being happened. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we think that way. Maybe I didn't manipulate them enough into coming to church with me. It's not your responsibility. It's their responsibility. It's, it's their 
personal responsibility, their destiny, they're the ones who choose what to do with it. Here's the second thing I want you to see. That the basis of the responsibility is their choice concerning Jesus. It's what they decide to do with Jesus. It's what they decide. How they want to handle him. Well, how are they going to hear? Folks, let me tell you something. There are many ways for them to hear. I, I knew this, you know, I've been here 21 years. Before that, we uh, was down in Indiana County for a year. But before that, I pastored in Canada for four years. And, and we noticed this because when we lived up in Canada, we always came back to PA because that's where Lori's family was. Lori's family was in Indiana County. So whenever we had a vacation or a break, we always came down here. Even if we were on our way to the beach, we always came to see family. Now, I noticed just as soon as I crossed that border in Buffalo, this was before MP3 players. So you had a radio. You listened to the radio. If you don't know what that is, that's that box in your car, okay, that you tune in a station on, okay? It's not look for something on iTunes. It's a box. You tune it in. And, and here's what you do. You would tune it in and listen. I was shocked when I crossed the border, the number of Christian radio stations that were on. That wasn't true in Canada at that point. And the realization was what? The gospel is there. It's there. You turn on the TV. And I might not like that guy who's on the TV, but he's on the TV and he's presenting something of the gospel. And it's not just one guy. There's lots of guys on different channels. And you go down the highway and you see billboards with the gospel. And that doesn't include the people that you are interacting with on a daily basis who might tell you that they love Jesus or share with you the gospel. So the gospel is there. Now, having said that, so I guess I don't need to share it. No, you need to keep sharing. But the, the issue is, is what are they responsible for? They are responsible for their choice concerning one person only. That's really what the issue is. I think it's interesting. Here's what it is, folks. When you go to Revelation chapter 20, if you look at verse 11 through the end of the chapter, it talks about the great white throne judgment. All of humanity is called up. The sea gives up the dead. The hell gives up the dead. Everyone is there. The books are open. What are the books? The books of all their deeds. And judgment is issued. And here's what it says. And those whose names were not found in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. How do you get in the book of life? Salvation. It's not their deeds that send them to hell. It's what? Their choice concerning Jesus. And this is the personal responsibility. And this is what Jesus is going to get at here today in this closing section. Because, look, we've just looked at from chapter 7 all the way up to this. So many different reactions. Even, listen, I think this is just what blows my mind from the section. Jesus raises a guy from the dead who's been in the grave for four days, and the people who hear about it still don't want to believe, and they're like, we don't got to get rid of Jesus, but not just Jesus, we got to get rid of this guy Lazarus too. What's going on here? You mean you can't believe? They're blind. They don't want to believe. 
All right, so let's stop for a moment. Okay, so I've got to come to this conclusion. You've got to come to this conclusion. We all have people that we love, that we care for, that we're sharing Jesus with. And we want them to know Christ. It might be a loved one. It might be some guy that we work with. It might be a neighbor. It might be a school chum. It might be somebody that you care for. It might be the guy in the barber shop that you always see when you go in there. You want them to know Jesus, but here's the thing. They keep telling you, no. No, I'm not interested. They might even tell you to shut up about it. I've been told that. You need to hear this. It's not you. It's not you. It's Jesus. And they have decided they don't want Jesus. Now, you keep praying for them. You keep looking for the opportunity because their heart might change. But don't own it. And that's what Jesus is going to point out to us here because people are at different places. And so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at verse 37 through 50, and we're going to talk about personal responsibility. And Jesus is going to wrap it all up for us in the last part of this section. So let's look at it together. It'll be up on the screen. If you want to read along on the screen or you can look in your own Bibles, Let's look at verse 37 and notice now what John writes. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah again, Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes and lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that, they, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw the glory, his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believe not in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should sit, say and what I, sh what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that, that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. 
All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to break this up into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, verse 37 to 43, and we're going to talk about the condition of men. And so I, I really need you to focus in on this because when you look at the life around us, we kind of have this concept that everybody's on the same plane, everybody's going to really understand it, everybody's going to come to Jesus and everything's going to be okay. Nope, that's not the way it is. It is not the way it is. He's been telling us from chapter 7 all the way up to this point, this is not humanity. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's not real life even outside when we leave this place here in another few moments. People are at different places, and some don't want to have anything to do with him. Some maybe want to believe, but they've got other things guiding them. We're going to see that here in this section, the condition of men. But then what we're going to see is, is Jesus is just going to say it as it is. He's going to call people to belief. Why? Because that's all he can do. Because you and I have to make that choice. Now, here's the thing. I'm hoping that you made that choice. For me, it was April of 1985. I made that choice as, as a 20-year-old or 19-year-old to give my life to Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? Hopefully, at some point, you could say yes. Or I, around this period, I, gave my, I made that choice. But, but if you're not here, you need to hear. Because it's your choice. It's your choice. So let's take a look at it. First of all, the condition of men. I want you to notice with me, here's what he's going to say about these folks. It's really amazing what he says about them, but it's, it's really where they're at. Look with me at verse 37. Here's what he says. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Okay, folks, what kind of signs? Well, I just told you one of them. What? Raising a guy from the dead. Here's another one. Making the blind see. When he did that one, the blind guy says, from the beginning of the world, has it ever happened that a blind person was made to see? And you don't find that anywhere in the scripture except for the promise that one would come, the Messiah, and he would do it. And guess what? Jesus shows up, makes the blind see. What does he do? The lame walk. He heals diseases, casts out demons. He's doing all of these signs. He feeds 5,000 people with two loaves, barley loaves, cracker size, and sardines. Fish the size of a sardine. He feeds 5,000 men, not to mention the number of women and children who were there as well. And guess what? It says very clearly here, what is it? They don't believe. They don't believe believe how's that possible it's because they don't want to believe they don't want to believe you know I, I just before I get to the point I want to make here I just got a just a side note I'm, I'm always interested by the amount of money that's spent of people trying to find Noah's Ark do you know that there are people literally trying to find Noah's Ark because they want to prove that the flood happened. Well, the flood happened, okay? But I don't need the ark to prove that to me. Why? Because God told me that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You find the ark, that's not going to get people to change their minds. Did you know what I'm saying? 
That's not going to get people to change their minds. Look, folks, you hear the craziest things people have said through the years. People didn't go to the moon or this, that, or another. And you're like, where did they get that? They don't want to believe. Even if it happened right in front of them, they don't want to believe. Folks, these things happened right in front of them, and because of Jesus, they didn't want to believe. So here's what I want you to look. Keep looking with me. Verse 37, let's look at verse 38. Here's what he says. That the word of, the, word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, the Lord who, has believed our, Lord who has believed our report, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah had said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw the glory and spoke of him. Now, here's what I want you to see. Those who will not believe are blind to the truth. They don't see it. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a minute, George. George, it just said that God blinded them. Yeah, he blinds them. Let me help you to understand what he means by that. If you go over to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through the end of the chapter, he talks about Gentiles, that they disregard him, they ignore him, they make idols, and here's what he says, I gave them over. That statement is made in chapter 1. I gave them over to their desires. And... I gave them over. And this is what it's talking about. When you get to the place, and this is the scary thing about for believers, you can get to the place where you totally reject. And God says, okay, I'll give you over. You don't want me? I don't need to be a part of your life. And they're blinded. And this is what I want you to understand. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the God of this world has blinded their eyes to the truth lest they should be saved. Satan doesn't want them to see. So here you are. You have a loved one that you've been sharing with for years. I have loved ones that I've been sharing with for years. And they can't see it. It's not you. It's them. They're blind. Do you understand? And that's where a vast majority of the world is. Right even here in Kerwinsville, in Clearfield County, the vast majority of the people don't want to believe. They don't want to believe. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 42. This is interesting because now he's going to talk about some people who say they do believe. He said, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Okay, well, here we go. We got a group of people who say, oh, yeah, I, I believe. But here, here's the thing. Here's the problem. Here's the point I want you to see. Some who believed were weak in their faith. They saw what he did. Some of these leaders, they saw what Jesus did, and they're like, man, there is something different. Man, is this the one? But they wouldn't say anything about it. They were weak in their faith. Why? Here's my next point. While they believed, they were motivated by human praise. 
So here's the scoop with these folks. They believed, but they weren't telling anybody they believed. Why? Because they didn't want to be looked down upon by the people they were hanging with. They didn't want to miss out on the praise because of their being in the right group of people. Because they knew that if they identified themselves with Jesus, they would be on the outside now. All of that is an expression of weak faith. Believe, but I don't really want to commit myself there. And we see people like that all around us, don't we? We see people like that all around us. I mean, I mean, years ago, I had a person who, who told me they believed in Jesus. And, and I, I, I talked with them, and they said, oh, I want to be baptized. And okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make the arrangements. We'll get the baptismal ready here and everything. Well, then here in a few days, they called me back, and I said, oh, you know, that baptism thing, I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, all right, fine. That's okay. That's your choice. Uh, I got to tell you why. Why? Well, my dad told me if I did that, he wouldn't pay for my college. Okay, all right, okay. That happens, folks. That's a divided heart, isn't it? You want to believe, but other stuff's more important. That's the condition of men. And what we're describing here is we've got people who just flat out say, it doesn't matter if Jesus showed up out of the clouds right here in the midst of the room and here he was in all of his glory. I'm not going to believe or, yeah, I kind of believe, but eh, I don't want to make waves in my life. And I think you resonate with what I'm saying because if you look around you, that's really where people are at, right? And here's the thing. 2,000 years ago when this was written, they knew people were... Nothing's changed, has it? So that's why Jesus closes out this section, closes out chapter 12 with his call. A call to you and I to make a decision about believing. And so I want to point out three things here from this passage. Three things from this final section of verses, verses 44 to 50 that you and I need to be aware of. And maybe you weren't aware of them, but hopefully it'll help you, okay? Here's the first one. Look with me, verse 44 and 45. Here's what he says about the call. First of all, Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me does not, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. All right, so here's the point. Believing in Jesus means you believe in the Father who sent him. Believing in Jesus means you believe in the Father who sent him. Here's what Jesus says. If you believe in me, great. Don't believe in me. Believe in the one who sent me. Who's, who's that? God the Father. Because here, when you see me, this is really this is what Jesus is saying. When you look at me, you see who? God. So here you are this morning. For me, I told you it was April of 1995. I came to some sort of powerful conclusion in my heart and my mind. And, and by my bed in my parents' house there on Green Springs Drive in Columbia, South Carolina, northeast part of Richland County, I gave my life. I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. 
I believe in you. And I prayed and asked Christ to take my life and I gave my life to him. Folks, it's because I believed in him, not just him, but I believed in God. That God had sent his son to die for me. And so there you are. That was my moment. Whatever the moment was for you, maybe it was with your grandmother, maybe it was with your mother, maybe it was you watching some guy on the TV or listening on the radio, or whatever moment it was, you gave your life to Jesus. Now, at that moment when you did that, it's not just that you believed in Jesus, you believed in the one who sent him. You believed in God. You know, I hear people all the time, you know, I believe in God, I don't know about that Jesus. Well, you don't have any clue. Just being honest with you, because when you have Jesus, you have God. They're the same, not the same person. They're part of the same, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. So that's the first thing about the call to belief is when you come to him, you're coming to the Father. Here's the second thing I want you to see here. Look with me at verse 46. Here's what he does when you believe in him. I think this is so amazing and so true that you and I need to grasp. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Remember, all the way from the beginning, in John chapter 1, he talks about the people in this world are dwelling in darkness. Now, what does that mean? There's no light outside? No, spiritual darkness. And you know that. They're blind to the light. They're blind to the truth. But when you come to him, here's the reality. He removes you from the darkness. And that's my point here. Believing in Jesus removes you from the darkness since he is the light. Have you ever wondered why when stuff happens around you, everybody else is thinking some crazy thought, but you look at it and you're like, man, no, that, that's not what's going on. This is what's going on. You think differently? Have you ever noticed that? That what is obvious to you is totally lost to everybody else? It's like, how, why? And you're like, no, no, I, I understand what's going on here. Do you understand why that's happening? It's because you're in the light. And the light reveals things. Who is the light? Jesus. And he illuminates you. You have the Holy Spirit within you who what? Shows you truth. But the people who are in darkness, who don't believe... They're blind. And they're just stumbling around in life trying to figure it out. What is, should be obvious, but they can't see it. Hey, can, can, I, can I help you calm down a little bit? What do you mean calm down a little bit? Man, these days people are so uptight about everything. They're so uptight, so uptight. I just need you to grasp something, Christian. Listen to me. If you have Jesus, you're in the light, you have understanding. You need to realize that those who don't have Christ can't see. So they're making decisions out of their blindness. And they're not going to make any other kind of decision until they see. And how do they see? Come to Jesus. Do you understand? And me getting all worked up isn't going to make them see Jesus, right? It's got to be a change of their heart, God opening their eyes. So believing in Jesus removes you from the darkness and sees in the light. But here's what I want you to see. He's going to talk about those who don't believe because, again, it's their personal choice. Look with me at verse 47. Look at what he says here. 
And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commands are everlast, is everlasting life. Therefore, whoever I, therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Here's what I want you to see. Those who do not believe are judged by what they rejected. Did you understand when people appear before the great king in that last day, the one who sits on the throne, do you know what judges them? Do you know what sends them to hell? Themselves. Because what was revealed to them, they rejected. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save the world. What they're judged by is that they rejected the word that was given to them, which was what? He says it, everlasting life. Everlasting life. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a situation where you know, I've been in, I mean, when I'm, when I'm sometimes maybe I am still dumb, but when I was a teenager, I was dumb. I mean, I thought I was smart, but I was dumb. And, 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 and my, my mom and my dad would say, don't do this, because if you do this, this is going to happen. And I'd say, oh, no, no, it didn't. And I would do it. And guess what? What they said, what happened, happened. And, 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 and I'd come home, and, and they would say, I told you so. And I would be mad at them because they said that. Now the problem is I should have been mad at me because they're not the ones who created the problem. George created the problem. All they did was reveal to me what would happen and, and I should listen and I, in all my wisdom, I decided I knew better and guess what? They knew better. But I was judged, not by what they said, but I was judged by what I rejected. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what life is. You say, well, okay, George, what about so-and-so who's in a nation where they never hear of Jesus? Paul tells us that in Romans. There are other lights that they have first. There's the light of their conscience. There's the light of creation. And when they reject those, those are the first lights that they reject. It's a question of whether or not they ultimately reject the ultimate light later, right? No one, everyone's without excuse. So those who don't believe are judged by what they reject. What they reject. All right, now you say, okay, George, where do we go with this? We're closing this up. What does this have to do with me? Well, here's the scoop. You and I are called to bring words of life and death to this world. Wait a minute, George, hold on. I, I, I grasp that I'm supposed to bring words of life. What do you mean the words of death? Well, these are the words what Paul uses. Paul uses that the words that we bring are fragrance of life and fragrance of death. I'm just to bring them. 
The words of life, they're life to us who believe because it's the death, burial, resurrection, and forgiveness. Now, those, that very same words of life are words of death to others. Why? Because they reject. Here's the scoop I want you to see. My responsibility is to what? Share. Live out my life before them. Point them to Jesus. But that's it. Their responsibility is what? What they do with that. And our prayer is, God, that they would come to you. But we also know, for whatever reason, many won't. So here's what I want you to do. Just continue to be faithful. You continue to grow in your relationship with him. And then you live out your life as you always do before others. And when the opportunity comes, and they do come, you point people to where? To Jesus. That's all you and I are called to. They're responsible for what they do with it. Now we weep for them, we pray for them, our hearts break for them. But that's all we're called to do. They have to make their decisions. And so that's what I would leave you with today. And be thankful that somewhere in the grace of time, God opened your eyes and you accepted him. Isn't that great? Let me pray for you.